This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. Church is also not a social club. 
the more social tradition uh, is going to be there that will bear that down. So the church is on a social climb. Well, the church, as I said, is something very unique because it has three different things that no other organization, no other government, no other charitable organization, no um, social club has. It has three different things that make it unique. First one is Jesus Christ as its builder and creator. Jesus said, I will build my church and establish the church. The third thing is the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit. The church has this supernatural ability to reach the world and to love one another. That each one of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior, we have that Holy Spirit living inside of us, and that's what empowers us to do what Christ wants us to do here on earth. The third thing is love. You don't have these in your notes, but they got them up there so you can write these down, jot these down. The third thing, and it's not last, but it's not least, but love. The church has the ability to love one another. And we have that power through the Holy Spirit to love one another. And so those three things make us different than any other organization or government on earth. The closest thing that we can compare the church to on earth here is the family. And the Bible talks about, the New Testament talks about Comparing the church to a family. Talks, talks about calling each other brothers and sisters. And we'll talk about some verses about that today. But even at that, it's not a perfect picture because you know, all families are a little bit different, really. And, and each one of them has different people in it. You know, it's Thanksgiving time, it's Christmas time, you get together with your family. Every family has that one person, right? Or two people, really? It's just a little bit quirky or a little bit off. Is that true? Or more than one, but usually more than one, right? So we can look at um, church as like a family, but again, it's not a perfect picture. The church has another thing that makes it unique, and that is people, right? The church has people. We are the church. We're saved. We are the people. There are no perfect churches, but at NHC, at United States Church, we are striving and learning and growing to be the church that God wants us to be. In order to do that, again, we need to look to the New Testament to see what does the Bible say about who we are and what we're to do. Now, there are two types of people in the church. Well, for today, two types of people in the church. One is detail-oriented people, and the other is big-picture-thinking people, right? So I asked earlier in the other, earlier service, everybody to raise their hand. If you are a detail-oriented-thinking person, raise your hand. All right, there's Gina was. Now, I know small words, so I have to learn. All right? We picture people. All right, some of you didn't raise your hands, so you're confused, right? Not sure. Set the foot. If you're a detail-oriented person, you're thinking about, you're focusing on the details. You're thinking about the details as you think about tasks and doing things. And it's pretty much your, the, way, the way of life or the way you look at life. If you're a big picture person, you're thinking about the big picture, not focusing on the details. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. You have to have both, right? You take a jigsaw puzzle and you dump it out. I think Gail's in the earlier service somewhere. She loves it. Your mom loves jigsaw puzzles and is used to. And every time we go there, there'd be a jigsaw puzzle waiting on the table, you know? But to put a jigsaw puzzle together, you got to have detail thinking and a big picture, right? You dump it all out. You just 
start looking at these two individual little pieces of them, but you also have to have a box here so you can see the big picture of what it's going to look like when it's done. And the church is the same way. It's the same way with us in our lives as believers. We need to have a balanced look at the church and who we are. In the church, if you become too detail-focused, what can happen? You can be just focused on whatever you're a part of that church is, whether just in the kids' ministry or the fellowship or serving coffee. If you just focus on that one little detail, then you miss the big picture. And if you're a big picture thinker in church, if you want to call it the church, what do you miss then? Just to me, what are the details? People. People are the details. So if you're a big picture thinker and that's all you look at, then you can miss the details. If we're not careful as a church, we can lose perspective on the big picture and on the details too. The dynamics of the church are forever changing. Uh, we did we went through a study a while back on Acts and we called you know the, the early church. This is what the early church was like, this is what they did. But a lot of you people were even here then. We have new people who come in, we have people who move away and pass away, go to other church, move to other churches. And so the church is forever changing. The dynamics of the church are always changing. And so it's easy to miss the big picture, and it's also easy to miss the details. In the early church, and we talked about in Acts, we went through those first couple of chapters in Acts, we talked about the early church and how the church was growing, what God was doing in the, the early church. And we talked about how that, when, they, when the church was beginning and starting and growing and people were coming to um, Christ, they, were, they had, as the Bible says, they had all things in common. They came together, they were selling their possessions, and they were, they were sharing one another. They were, they were growing. It was like this big community. But by the time you get to Acts chapter 6, something happened. You missed some of the details. We're not going to go into that story now, but in, the, in Acts chapter 6, it talks about uh, the, the rich-speaking Jewish women were being neglected. So they were missing that detail. They were missing um, the detail of a super-serving group of people. Now, when you go back to the Old Testament, you talk about Israel, they were so focused on the details and the law that they missed the, the big picture of who they were supposed to be. There, God did have a whole story of Israel, how God brought them out of Egypt, brought them into the land, gave them the land, and they were to drive out the foreigners that were there, and, and they did that. But then they became so focused on the details of just being God's people that they missed the big picture that they were supposed to be God's light to the world, that they were supposed to be there as a witness for him. So look at um, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. This was in the law, but they had missed this part. It says, when a foreigner lives with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You must regard the foreigner who lives with you as the native born among you. You are to love him as yourself. When you were foreigners in the land of Egypt, I am Yahweh, your God. So they had this whole concept of, you know, we were supposed to drive these people out. And once they did that, they had the whole mentality that it's just us. God has chosen us, and that's it. And so they missed the whole idea 
they were supposed to show love, care, and to make a void of foreigners, it says. Deuteronomy 24, 17 says this, Do not be unfair to a foreigner or an infant. Don't take a widow's coat to make sure she pays you back. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God saved you from there. That is why I am commanding you to do this. So they missed that detail that God wanted them to show care and love to everyone, to the world. He wanted to reveal himself through his people. We're all familiar about this with the story of the Good Samaritan. You know how uh, Jesus was teaching one day, and the keeper of the law, one of the, the, uh, the men, the leaders of the of Jewish community in Israel, who taught the law, and they, they were studied the law, and they were experts in the law. They came to Jesus, and you know, he came to Jesus, and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That was the question he was asking Jesus to test him. And then Jesus, you know, he turned around and he turned and he, and he asked him, you know, because he's a, he was a studier of the law, a keeper of the law. He says, what does the law say? He says, you're an expert. You know, he's telling him, hey, what does the law say? And so the, the, the lawyer's answer, you know, was to Jesus. He said, the, the command says that we're to love our Lord, our God, with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And to love them our neighbor like ourselves, right? That's what the law said. He had, he had the big picture, right? But then, Jesus said, that's a good answer. And then the guy asked him this question. He says, hmm, who is my neighbor, right? He wanted to narrow down. He wanted to be picky. He didn't want everyone to be his neighbor. He just wanted to know what Jesus said. Who's my neighbor? And so Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, how the, you know, the Jewish, the Pharisees and all that, they passed by the man who was uh, beaten and bleeding on the side of the road, and it was the Samaritan who came along and helped him. And he said, that's, that's, you know, that's being a neighbor, being a neighbor to everyone, not just to the individual that you want to be a neighbor to. That's how you show love. So Jesus had the big picture, right? Love the Lord your God and your spirit. All your mind and your strength and your soul and your heart. But the detail is to love your neighbor as yourself, all your neighbors. One of the books that has helped me the last couple of years, uh, I found this book last year, and it helped me see the big picture kind of thing. It's, uh, it's a book that you have up there on the screen. You have it. It was The Chronicle, The Chronological Life of Christ by Mark E. Moore. And what this guy has done is he's taken the four Gospels. And he's taken them and put them in a chronological order. Now, when we would sit down and read like a gospel, maybe Mark, and if it, you know, we're reading through the life of Jesus, maybe Mark, maybe John. But he has taken all four of them and put them in a timeline. And he's chronicled the three, the three years of Jesus, three and a half years of Jesus was here in a timeline. You can really see the big picture. It really helped me to see that. So you might want to pick that up. It's up there on your gift resource. But as believers, we need to be frequently asking ourselves this question. If we're going to be balanced in our lives, we're going to be balanced in our church, we, keep, we need to keep this question in front of us. Why does the church exist, and what part do I play in it? First question is big picture thinking. Why does the church exist? Why are you here on Sunday mornings? Why are you a part of Madison Church? 
Why don't you take the one-on-one class the size of becoming farmers? Why do you attend every Sunday morning? Why does the church exist? Why are we here on this corner of Jackson Lane? And the detail part is what part do you play in that? The details are how do I fit into this church? How do I love one another like you're supposed to? How do we care for one another? So how can that say church care for each other? The short answer is, of course, we love one another, right? Right? Everybody awake? The Bible says we're to love one another, right? Jesus said that. He said that to his disciples. He said if you love one another, then the world's going to recognize that you're my disciples, and they're going to know that it's like they're going to be showing Jesus' love to other people that he loved them. And it would be simple if we just came together every Sunday morning and said, hey, we're to love one another. That's what we're supposed to do. That would be our purpose statement. Love God, love others, reach the world. If we just came together every Sunday morning and sang some songs and told each other that, that would be okay, but it's not that easy. It takes a whole lifetime to understand what it means to love one another, to care for one another. It takes a whole lifetime to go through different situations, meet different people, and figure out how to show love to one another. We need to be intentional about that, about how to love one another. Loving other people, people requires a spiritual power, as we talked about earlier, the Holy Spirit, to help us learn to do that. If you don't have a plan to succeed in that, then you're going to fail. You need a plan to learn how to love and to love other people. So number one, you have your next there. The first thing we got to do is we got to plan to care. We got to make a commitment to care. Most people don't typically drift into goodness, right? That's not just something that comes naturally. It does to a few people. You might know one or two people in the ministry that way. Maybe it just seems like they ooze goodness and kindness. It just seems to come natural. But for you and I, that's probably not true, right? It doesn't come natural. We have to determine to care for one another and show love to one another. We have to make a plan for that. Then we have to plan to also care for all people. Not like the lawyer who said, who's my neighbor? Who are just a couple of people that I can pick to show love to? We show love, we're to show love to all people. 1 Peter 21, 22 says this. So let's read this together. Is it up there? Let's read this out loud together. Through Christ, you believe in God, who raised Christ from the dead and gave him glory. So your faith and your hope are in God. Now that you have made your soul secure by obeying the truth, you have true love for your Christian brothers and sisters. So love each other deeply with how? With all your heart. You know, there's a picture there. Once we become Christians, once we come into the truth and we have Christ as our Savior, as our Savior, we have brothers and sisters. And it says to love them with all our heart, deeply with all our heart. One of the ways we do that here at Nagsdale Church, one of the most important ways we do that is through our connection groups. We have connection groups in our church that meet together throughout the week, and they do Bible studies together, and they grow together, they fellowship together, they learn from one another. And that, we say, is the DNA of our church. That's where we really get to know one another and 
women get to find out other people's secrets. So we put together uh, just a short video this morning and a couple people who want to get testimonies of what their connections are. On Monday, May 15th, 2017, I went home for lunch as normal, and I found my husband dead. Um, he worked nights, I worked days. So I always went home to lunch so I would see him. And this time, he hadn't gotten out of bed unexpectedly. Something like that happens. You, you, you just, um, you don't know what to do. I mean, of course, I called 911. I called my family. When you have somebody die in your house, there's countless people who come. There's firemen, EMTs, police, detectives, chaplains. Steve Seacrest was the chaplain who came, um, and I immediately asked for Rick. I don't, as soon as I saw Rick, I threw my arms around him, and he helped me. He took me out of the house when they took Cliff's body away, and he drove me around. That week was a blur. Uh, there were people in the church who brought food, who sent flowers, sent cards, always prayers. So we had a Saturday funeral at the beach. It was a beautiful day. We all wore Steelers clothes because my husband was a real Steelers fan. Um, Steve Wise left Hukilau surf camp, so he would come out and paddle out with my niece to spread his ashes, which was a wonderful thing um, that he would be able to leave Hukilau for, for something like this. It touched me. When Rick was at my house, he noticed that the wood on my porch was starting to rot out, and he was worried that somebody would fall through. A group of men came to my house and repaired my porch. They spent all day repairing the porch in my house, just helping me. And now I don't have to worry that somebody's gonna fall through my porch or I'm gonna fall through or my grandnieces are gonna fall through when they come and visit me because these men spent a whole Saturday coming to my house and repairing my porch. People in my small group, they knew that my habit was to go home for lunch all the time because of, that was my norm. And I knew that was gonna be hard when I went back to work. So my small group, Every day for about two weeks took me out to lunch, so I never had to face going home at lunchtime and face it by myself. Because I was alone, actually, for the first time in my life. We grew up together. I was, we were 16 when we started dating. I'd never been alone, so I've had people text me, call me, offer to mow my lawn, just to be there for me. And I just, I don't know how I would have gotten through this without my church family. I really don't. I really believe that Everybody should be connected to a small group. It'll only help you, it'll only benefit you, and you could benefit others. You're missing out on beautiful relationships. Um, these people know me, love me, help me in every way they can. They, you are missing out on not just socially, you're missing out on love. The morning of January 7th uh, this year, 2018, uh, my wife collapsed with cardiac arrest from massive pulmonary embolisms and literally died on our living room floor. And with the help of EMS, uh, they, they were able to keep her going until they got her to the hospital. Rick was my first call. When they were doing CPR on Jerry, they asked me, one of, one of the uh, paramedics looked up and asked if I'd need to call anybody and I hadn't even thought about that. I'm just watching all this unfold and I thought, um, I'm gonna call Rick. He actually helped them get her out because the steps were still icy from the weather we had had. Um, and 
he actually took me up there and he stayed up there for about 24 hours. Spent time with the kids, spent time with me. Um, could not have asked for better company. Yeah, everybody, Tom, Andy, um, these guys all came up, prayed with us. It's just great, great support. And when something like this happens, the, the support, the coming together of people to take care of what you need, um, it's just fantastic. Pastors have been great. Um, always asking how we're doing, always letting us know anything we need. I knew they meant it. And that was literally fulfilled. God worked through these people. And every kind of help you can imagine, you know, spiritual, moral, physical, financial, logistical, you name it, we've had that kind of help. Yeah, when, when my neighbors, uh, coworkers, people I know, see the way our church family has stepped in and helped us, they see God at work.
Next, we also need to plan how to care for one another. Once we've made up our mind that we're going to care for one another and we're going to show love, we need to know how to do that. And again, that takes a lifetime of learning. We have to learn from each other. That's what we do in our connection groups. That's what we do on Sunday morning when we come together. We're watching each other. We're imitating each other as other people are reaching out and showing love. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. He said, let us think of ways. That's being creative. That means thinking of different ways that we can show love to one another in our connection groups, in our church, in our ministry teams, in the community. It's being creative. Creativity is the benchmark of a growing life. It's not enough just to say, okay, I've done that. You know, I've done that before. I still have to be over here. I've done that. It's being creative. I think about a story that um, I probably shared in our connection group. I'm not sure if I shared this in the whole church on Sunday morning. Um, I may have. But we had, um, back in the day, back in, way, way back, when uh, Rick first came, we used to do church, like most other churches, we'd meet Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. The whole thing, and uh, on Sunday evenings um, we would come to church. And so the one morning, one Sunday, when I, this family had come, they were from Connecticut, and they were uh, a family of man, two, my daughter, and her two kids. Anyway, we saw them come back Sunday night over there, and then they came up to us. They were visiting from out of town on vacation. They came up to us and they said, "Hey, why don't you come over to our house and have a meal with us, have supper with us one day?" We were like, we didn't know what to say. You know, we're like, okay, sure. You know, we never had strangers invite us to their house before. And so we went and we built a relationship with them just by that one act of kindness that they did for us. They weren't even part of our church. They were guests. And they invited us every day. And so after that, we, we, we said, hey, we can do that. If somebody from out of town can invite us, then we can invite other people here. And so we've done that before, inviting people um, to strangers. Hey, why don't you come over and have but we learn from each other. We have to be creative. We have to think of new ways to show love to each other. Romans 12, 10. Let's read that out loud. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo to one another in showing mercy. Paul says we're to show love to one another and mercy to one another. And he says not only that, he says make it a competition. He said, you're in competition with other people. He says, I don't do. When you see someone do something kind for someone to show mercy and love and care, then he says, I don't do that person. He said, go beyond what they're doing. So we're to be learning and growing constantly. As we grow and learn from each other, then we can challenge each other on how to do love, how to care for one another the way Christ loved us. If we are going to meet each other's spiritual needs, our emotional needs, our physical needs, just like we saw in that video, then we've got to be committed to a plan. We've got to be committed to caring for other people and loving other people the way Christ loves us. You've got to be available. You have to be able to show up and give your time to do that. But we also need to learn from each other practical ways of how to do that. Push each other 
hey, I did this. You can be doing the same exact thing. You can be feeling these tensions up just like I'm doing now. And we can grow from it and grow with each other and rise up with Jesus. In just a minute, the song, the band's going to sing a song. When I come back up, I'm going to go through a list of some of the things that the New Testament says that we're to do for one another as Christians. We're going to wrap up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but before we do, I'd like to say, you know, like we just saw, we just sang about putting our trust in Him and Him alone. If you've never done that, you're still not even really sure what that means. Um, at the end, in just a few minutes, one of your pastors will be standing up here. And we would love to explain that to you. If you've never done that or you're not really sure um, how to go about that, we would love to talk to you about how to place your faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Become part of his family. Become part of the church. And trust him for salvation. We would love to help you with that. Also, uh, as I mentioned before, one of my jobs is the pastor and partner care. If you would like to help me in that, you can say, hey, I feel like maybe that's my calling next in church, this um, ministry I would like to do or have. Um, and I want some more information about that. Come up and talk to us. We'd like to explain um, how you can do that. Jesus loved the church so much that he gave his life for the church. He gave his life for you and I. He wants us to share that love with the world, just like he wanted to show the world in the Old Testament, who he was through Israel. He wants to use us, the church, to show the world his love and who he is. The way we do that is by sharing our faith, but also, as you saw in the video, sharing love with one another, learning how to love one another. That's what most of the New Testament talks about, is how to practically love one another. I've got a little a list here. It's not a complete list, but I'm going to read through it. Some of the things the New Testament says that we're to do for and with one another. We don't have time to go into each one, but I do want to read them and ask you as you read through this, and you pray I do, I do this, um, where do you need to improve in these areas? Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to learn from other people on how to do this? These are all from the New Testament. Most of them are usually found more than one place. So I don't have the scripture references on there. But as we learned in our last 40 days study, right, in our connection groups and our last study we did here at church, that it's good to hear it, to see it, and write it down. So you have your notes. I'm going to go through these. I want you to write these down. These are things that, as Christians, we do for one another and we're supposed to do with one another. I'm going to try to go slow. They said I went too fast last time. So you can write these down, but this will be up here for a couple of minutes so you can get down. This is what the New Testament says. This is how we love one another. The first one is forgive one another. Do not lie to one another. Love one another. Serve one another. This is very important about this morning. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Care for one another. Stop passing judgment. 
Agree with one another. Bear with one another. Encourage one another. Submit to one another. Do not slander. Fellowship with one another. Confess your sins to one another. And as you do that, you show your family affection for one another. You don't criticize one another. But you build up. Send to one another, as he says. And we submit to one another. And we don't complain about one another. But we are hospitable to one another. And that's just a short list. But as we get together and as we learn our connection groups, our ministry teams, who on Sunday morning, these are the things that we do to care for one another and to love one another. I'm going to ask us right now to bow your heads. I'm going to pray. This is going to be our, our dismissal. We're going to pray for you. Father God, we're so thankful that you sent Jesus Christ to come on this earth to live as an example for us and to show love and to be obedient to you and going to the cross and suffering for us who loved us that much to die for us. Father, we're so thankful for that. We're also thankful that you have a plan for our life, you have a place for our life in the church as we grow together, as we do life together, as we suffer together. Father, each one of us has an area in our life that we need to grow in. As we read through this list and we look at what the New Testament says, you know, we treat each other and when we get together, each one of us has a weakness. Help us to see that this week. Help us, Father, to think about, be creative in the ways that we can love other people in this church and in the world. We need your Holy Spirit to help us do that. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God. Love others. Reach the world.